ho, 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 Merry Christmas. <laughs> Where's your Christmas out. jumper? It is the day after the Press Gallery party and we are here for Inside Parliament. My screen's going black, but it does say this is a weekly catch-up of the political stories of the week. Uh, from One News. It's the day after the press From party. the legendary stu- Beehive Studio. <laughs> yeah. We should be able to remember that bit. Um, cut! Uh, no, no, Start you can't again. cut. No, you can't. Sorry, it's a podcast. You're not allowed. Sorry. This is us okay. being real. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, what happened yesterday? Oh, it was a mini budget. It was the mini, mini budget. budget. Yeah, which is <laughs> why your brain's the press gallery party, there was That's a right. massive day and it was the mini budget. Yeah, it's been or a huge food. week. Huge, huge week. Robertson wants to deliver big for families without blowing the budget. It is possible for a government to be both fiscally responsible and implement progressive policies. And now Treasury's confirmed his spending promises and coalition commitments so far can all be met thanks to some bulging coffers and a strong economy. The update forecasts include the costs of the government's 100-day plan. That said, the forecast surplus of $2.5 billion next year is slightly smaller than under National, and there's only around $6.6 billion left in the kitty to cover extra costs over the next five years. Is that going to be enough to deal with things like wage demands from police and nurses and that sort of thing? Um, that, um, that they are going to be pushed, that's, that's for, for sure. On current forecasts, Mr Robertson will meet his self-imposed five-year debt limit on time. However, government borrowing will have to rise in the short term. Instead of dropping to 56, it's going to go up to nearly $70 billion. We need, as a country, to invest in our future. And we will do that by taking on additional debt in the short term. And some coalition promises are yet to be costed. And they've got quite limited future allowances for the very large number of other promises they have yet to fund. The government will restart contributions to the New Zealand Super Fund that were frozen under National, with the first payment of half a billion dollars being made tomorrow. The Super Fund and indeed future generations of New Zealanders will be pleased we're making a start after nine years of no contribution. Today's so-called mini-budget was a big step for the new finance minister as he looks to establish his credibility. Bigger challenges await, however, with a full budget next May, which will now have little room for any big shocks that come along. Jacinda Ardern's not playing around when it comes to tackling child poverty, with a bold plan to lift low incomes. On all of our modelling, it looks like we will reduce child poverty by almost half. From July, working for families tax credits will go up by between $575 and $1,400 a year, depending on the age and number of children. 39,000 more families will be eligible for the credit by 2021. And there is a $60 a week baby bonus for all newborns. This is one of the most significant packages to reduce child poverty in recent memory. So, how will they pay for it? The government will reverse National's tax cuts due to kick in in April. That will save them $8 billion. The families package will cost $5.5 billion, which leaves them an extra $2.5 billion to spend on other things. Charities are enthusiastic. We're thrilled. We're, we're very, very happy here. It's what we've been advocating for a very long time. It feels like a Christmas present for every family across New Zealand. The grant of $60 towards uh, families, um, to, to new babies, I think that's a, a, a terrific payment and uh, I think it will make a real difference. But the opposition says it's less ambitious than its plan. The previous government's package lifted 
50,000 young people out of poverty, right. immediately the package came into force. So here's the interesting thing. The government are comparing that with a number now which is 88,000, and that seems a lot better, until you note the fine print, and they're not talking about till 2021. And it's criticising a $450 winter energy payment that'll go to all pensioners regardless of their wealth. This Labour government is turning into a reverse Robin Hood uh, that taxes everybody and actually gives a lot of benefits to the rich as well as the poor. But benefits Jacinda Ardern hopes will trickle through to the most vulnerable. Let's just go, let's just give them, let's, give, let's do the fun scoring thing. What do we give uh, Grant Robinson and his mini budget? Out of 10. Out of 10. Um, ooh, seven, seven and a half. Yeah, seven, eight. Yeah, I'd give them it's seven, pretty, eight. I reckon they yeah. went pretty well. Yeah. I mean, what was the, what was national left to attack on? I mean, they. We know that not much. No, first of all, no $11.7 billion hole that they can identify and no. say there is. Billion, billion. Billion, sorry, billion. But there was obviously, it's obviously tight. It is tight. Yeah. yeah I th- and they I only need think- a shock and something to happen, an earthquake or yes. something, and yeah. they'll, they'll be in trouble. And I think National really missed a trick there. I mean, there, are, there were a lot of holes there, not costing the coalition promises properly, the risks with pay, upcoming mm. pay claims, pay equity claims. The housing, potential for big, big risks around housing, yeah. housing. But, and the potential for any but the family's package swamped it. It was just too yeah, big. Yeah, for sure. But but that's not. I mean, you know, rules of engagement. Really, that's not where national should have gone. I mean, they they have no. They really have no room to attack on poverty. But they could have gone elsewhere. They could have gone for the the uncertainty, the financial risk. I, I well, they tried. They went on debt. They tried on debt because the debt will rise in the short term. But he no does. No one cares about that no, though. Because in the, he meets in the, his target. People with kids here, they're getting more money. What are people listening to? Mm. What are they worried about? Most people out there are thinking, I'm getting more money mm. to help my kids. But the markets. School, so the markets. The economists. They didn't see anything untoward about the figures. They went, they went, they shrugged their shoulders and went, yeah, it's not that much different than the nationals. No, and, and, to the, see here, and move on. the economists will be assured by the debt track. Yes. So in that sense, it's a triumph for Grant Robertson because he's delivered on this big families package, which he would have normally done in a normal budget. He's done it early, and then he's got this done without anybody saying, you know, he's, he's financially credible. He is. He, yeah, he did. They certainly allayed the fears that... that you know, watchers have had for a long time about Labour's uh, how yep. fiscally responsible, incredible they can be. Yeah, exactly. I think I think he went a long way to address that. I mean, National it, will still continue to attack them on it, but they were in some ways. I mean, Bill Rosenberg from the CTU, which was interesting, he, he was actually attacking them for being too rigid. You know, he and there are some on the left that are saying that you know Grant Robertson should not be binding himself to these fiscal constraints where he has to hit this debt target of 20% of GDP within five years because they've got all these infrastructure they need to spend on. Well, but they He's don't want to live up to that reputation of being big spenders. To, yeah. they, they need to, you know, they've had a, more than a decade of that since the GFC. They've, they've really had to butt against this narrative mm. for such a long time and they re- I mean but they I mean they could bust out of it but then they would just be they would be getting the same old attacks from their yeah, critics. The slippage they'll get they'll get attacked but I mm. think yeah, it, circumstances. You know, there will be some some headwinds. There will be something that happens, and it may be reasonable to have lower surpluses in future in that in that instance. Yeah, I, I one thing I I did. We talked about this yesterday in the lockup. One thing I did um, notice about the budget was that how starkly cynical it made National's tax cuts look. You know, um, with the contrasting package, the fact that it was it was really an election year bribe. You know, middle New in, Zealand right yeah. tag. Absolutely, there, you know? and and um, 
And really, when there are a lot of other problems and issues that need to be addressed, you know, 5.5 million to target low income families, plus an extra 2.5 billion for other spending, you've got to assume health and education, Mm -hmm. that that being their other priorities. And you just think, wow, 8.8 billion national. And we did, you know, there's a lot of people really didn't need those tax cuts. So, but there's a lot of people who go, I don't have kids. Someone said to me, say, I don't have kids. I wanted my $20 a week. Yeah. And so, you know, and that's what national was targeting with it. But they'll feel, but they'll feel at least, you know, when they, when they hear that 88,000 kids are being lifted out of poverty, then that, that at least there's, there's that. It's the, I do it's, that you're helping the, people. It's the, fuel, it's the energy yeah, subsidy, yeah. which is yeah. a little bit more galling. Yeah, the, the fact that everyone will qualify for that. Millionaires although, are getting 700 yeah. bucks a week. Although, I mean, they can choose not to get it. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure how much of a problem that will be. If you're really loaded, are you going to go to all the effort of applying for it? You know? Probably not. You'd have to be pretty scroogey. Um, but whereas, you know, it'll really, really help some of those pensioners who just... You know, don't oh, no, hate no their homes. It's going to make a big that's, difference. So that's, that's their power bill well. yeah. for June, July, August. Absolutely, it's going to make a huge Most difference. That's a huge difference for people who are sitting I mean, there. Everyone gets whacked in those horrible the J months, June, July. Yeah. You know, in the mm. middle of the year. Um, what does it leave for? Um, Grant Robertson in the next budget, you know, is, not n- much. Putting aside the fact that he hasn't got a lot of money to pay with, but mm-hmm. he has got that big two point, what is it, two point eight billion dollars worth of um, operating expenditure in mm-hmm. that first budget that he's allocated for. So that presumably is all health. Mostly. Yeah, it'll be health and education. I think we'll go into the budget knowing that there's not going to be much yeah. for everyone else. All the ministers will know that. Everyone knows that there may be some little surprise. They'll try and do something, mm-hmm. but they'll say, look, we spent the money on the families package. You've got that. How's he going you know, to... We're going to have to... How's he going to make it exciting? How's he going to make it exciting? Well, well, what the, do you do about the, the increased the police, police numbers? Yeah, that, that was another thing they talked about, the fiscal risks. That's going to be a huge issue. Today. Not just paying for them, but actually finding them <laughs> and training them in enough time. The, the promise was far, far... It wasn't thought through. It was far, far too ambitious. So that it is... I, I think they're going to have to u- do a U-turn on that down the track. There's no way they can do it in the, in the time no. frame they've given them the amount they, they want. But Unless think, they take on some kind of untrade off, offices or... That's the plan. They're going to have to do They're going to have, um, non, have non-sworn and civilian yeah. officers doing intelligence. Like that. Yeah. He wants sworn officers. Well, he, but the he police don't them. How's need... he going to go find them? Is he gonna... <laughs> but they, they don't... Ne- that's yeah. not the area where... They don't need... 1,800 bobbies on no, the beat. There are areas they need intelligence into yep. organised crime, crime, financial crime, yep. those kind of areas. So you, you've got to deploy the resources, re- resources appropriately for the police forces need. You can't just put, you know, send no. out 1,800 bobbies on. Sounds and, great, doesn't it? Yeah, but, like yeah. caution criminals on the head and dragging them yeah, onto already full jails. That's what people think that they need or what they're talking about. They think it's this is more cops for solving burglaries. That's what that's what in the, in the mm. head or to solve dairy crimes or you know that's that's not what's going to Speaking happen. Speaking of Winston Peters, um, Minister we? of Foreign <laughs> Affairs, Andrea, you had a very interesting story this story this week on a, a diplomatic immunity. Tell us a bit about that because it's not the first time that um, Ministry of Foreign Affairs has had a few issues with diplomatic immunity. Yeah, diplomatic immunity has in New Zealand. We've had a few high-profile cases, not not the same as this, but we've um, the Malaysian Malaysian uh, diplomat. Malaysian diplomat. Yeah, is the a big case one. Um, the case of the, the diplomat who was in Fiji and involved uh, yeah. in the circumstances of the death of a Fiji man, um, and then this case where Mfat um, allowed a diplomat based in the US to waive her immunity to be able to carry on her... Hey, let's have it. Let's we'll stop you then. Let's have it to your track. Diplomatic immunity, controversial when it's used as a get-out-of-jail-free card to escape local justice. But now it's been waived so that a New Zealand diplomat can take advantage of the local courts, in this case for an international custody battle. 
There's no question about it. It's extended the proceedings quite dramatically, and that's really awful for children. A high-flying US-based staff member wanted to fight her divorce and custody battle in the courts there. In an unprecedented move, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs waived her diplomatic immunity so that she could do that. The father wanted the case heard at the family court in New Zealand. The jurisdiction did naturally lay in New Zealand. And we signed conventions to say that when it's New Zealand children, um, and that it should be dealt with by, by a New Zealand court. It, the law is, is very clear in this respect. Um, there was no need in this case, no evidence really, to, to waive diplomatic immunities. A second diplomatic waiver was granted eight months later so that the case would be kept in America. But back here in New Zealand, the family court ruled the case should be heard here in Wellington. We signed the Hague Convention on Child Abduction uh, which says that when it's court, when New Zealand children are, are up for dispute between parents, uh, then it should be heard in New Zealand court. After more than a year-long legal battle, the father received an apology from MFAT boss Brooke Barrington. MFAT also agreed to pay his legal bills, totaling $212,000. One News also understands it paid the mother's legal bills, around $50,000. MFAT officials wouldn't be interviewed, but said in a statement the ministry is confident its actions in deciding to waive immunity were lawful and reasonable and taken in good faith. It also says it's reviewed and amended ministry policies for relationship breakdowns on overseas postings. So what do you think, do you think, Andrea, that there will be repercussions in the sense that they might have to have a bit of a, a policy rethink on, on, on diplomatic immunity and how it works. So when, when you read the briefing to the incoming minister, there is a couple of lines in there and they want to have a chat with the minister about diplomatic immunity. And I understand that Winston Peters also is keen to have a chat with them about right. diplomatic immunity. <laughs> um, there have been some policy changes. We know yeah. after the Malaysian diplomat incident, um, now the, the uh, government minister, the foreign minister or acting foreign minister has to sign off. So we do know that that happens. So what's in store for the future? I'm not sure. In terms of this case, like family court dispute, um, there are certainly a lot of case, there are a lot of questions still to be answered. I have a lot more questions I'd like to know the answer to. But it's never happened, as far as we know. It's completely unprecedented in New Zealand. It's never happened before. Right. But the going, if you spread out across the world, actually the issue with deadbeat dads, and this is not what this is in yeah. this case, but diplomatic immunity has been used in a number of incidents where uh, diplomats have tried to use their immunity to avoid paying oh, uh, child support, child support right. and yeah. alimony and all those things right. that you um, associate with custody disputes and divorce proceedings. So much so that at the turn of the century, going back to 1999, um, the UN had to actually had to have a crackdown. That's right. They, yeah. They, yeah. Wow. yeah. So yeah. It, it's it's just something that's not happened in New Zealand before, but it, if you know, it's only a matter of time, really. So and I think also an important part of the story is that taxpayers paid. Yes, <laughs> you know, like yeah, that, yeah. that's actually what and what what people you know must remember. A lot of taxpayers' money yeah. paid for this family court battle, essentially, um, quarter of a million dollars, yeah. and uh, an apology letter. And as far as I can see, no one has yet been held accountable for the mistakes that were made. Um, in fact, are very clear that they're saying that they acted. Um, in good faith, that they they believe that they they acted legally. Um, legal experts say to us that actually they didn't act within the spirit of the of the conventions, the Vene Geneva Convention, the Hague yeah, Convention yeah. that we're signed up to, that we actually hold quite important. Um, so yeah, I, I just I, I feel like I didn't get all the answers from Ministry for Foreign Affairs that I would have I would have liked, but we'll see. Watch the space. Hey, mm -hmm. um, Katie. Do you think you might make an appance on seven days this week? <laughs> Thanks to David Seymour. You, you, I think you, we're lucky you, you, you that did a bit, you were a bit of an internet, bit of an internet sensation. <laughs>
was We're brilliant. Done. So be honest. Totally did you tear that? No, totally unintentionally. I did plan to be there because it was, this was when uh, the euthanasia was about to be debated in Parliament. I, of course, planned the six o'clock live yes. to be on the bridge where MPs, I knew MPs were going to be coming <laughs> past. I certainly didn't expect David Seymour to be the first MP out of the on house. On cue, though. And, and just and like, just, as you said, it's like a genie out of yeah, a bottle. That sort of felt like, is he going to twirl around three times or something? Did he grab your wish? Kept, and then he kept, as he was walking past, I could see out of the corner of my eye that he was like listening to what I was saying as well, which is quite distracting when you're trying to talk <laughs> live on air about something and, and in your head you're thinking, oh, is he going to be, in, you know, what's he going to think about what I'm saying? Am I getting this wrong? Have I said something wrong? At least he didn't heckle you, <laughs> yeah, though. he could have. Anyway, he thought it was hilarious as well. Kia ora, good evening. Well, we begin tonight with a controversial topic that really is a matter of life or death. The bill to legalise euthanasia is set to pass its first reading in Parliament tonight. And a last-minute deal's been struck, which could see a referendum held on the issue. Political reporter Katie Bradford joins us now. So, Katie, how has David Seymour got the numbers to pass this bill? Well, good evening. MPs are just breaking up for the dinner break now, and when they come back in a couple of hours, they will start to debate on David Seymour's end-of-life choice bill. Now, I understand it should pass its first reading about 75 to 45, so about two-thirds of the House should support it. But a deal was struck today. Most MPs are voting on conscience votes, but a deal was struck today between David Seymour and New Zealand First. That means David Seymour supports their idea of a referendum on the on the issue of euthanasia, should this bill pass? Uh, here's what David Seymour had to say about that deal he struck with Winston Peters. I personally started out preferring that we would pass this just like every other law, um, but if New Zealand first need that extra reassurance of having a referendum, if, if that's the way to get New Zealanders' choice, uh, then I think that's the right thing to do. All right, Katie, what actually are the chances of a referendum going ahead? Well, that's the big question, of course. Uh, that deal means that all New Zealand First MPs, even those who oppose euthanasia, will now vote for the bill. But just because David Seymour is voting for the idea of a referendum doesn't mean everyone else in Parliament will. If this bill goes through its first couple of stages, I understand a clause will be in entered into the bill allowing for a referendum to be held. Uh, obviously, you can expect a lot of debate around this issue. There's a lot of MPs who are very opposed to this idea. But if it does get to that stage and a referendum is agreed to, uh, the Prime Minister, for instance, was very non-committal on that today. Uh, it will then, uh, under David Seymour, would like a referendum to be held at the next general election so as to save taxpayers' money. That's obviously uh, a few years away now, so you can expect some debate on this issue for a long time yet. It's actually a really important topic, and he will be stoked. He didn't expect that euthanasia bill to come up as early as it did. Yeah. That happened because um, some of the bills that were on the order paper, uh, Labour either got rid of or they took a couple on as their own bills, and so it meant it shot up the order paper a lot faster, and he had to do a last-minute wrangle to get the support needed for the bill to get it from New Zealand first. Although, actually, that, they, he didn't need the numbers. He, that passed 76, 46, which is actually quite high for something like that. Mm. And he didn't actually need those nine votes. So it's gone to select committee and there's this talk of referendum. Didn't we just have a select committee inquiry on you? We did. Yes, we did. A huge yeah. one, yeah. And it didn't go anywhere. Well, yeah, they basically didn't make any recommendations. No, well, I th but so I think the, the interesting thing, but well, and it's such an important issue, why wouldn't why we? Not? Why not? I mean, why not? And, and they've said it will be a really lengthy select committee, which they need to do, and they need to do it properly. But Raymond Howe is the is the select committee yeah. chair. I I do think that the previous select committee chair had very Sun, entrenched yeah. views on this yeah. subject, well, he does. and I think a different cho choice of chair. I'm not casting aspersions on what eventually happened, but I think that 
I think Raymond will do a very different job on yeah. this select committee. There are, as we know, there are a lot of issues with the bill. There's not a lot of a safeguards yeah, in there. Yeah, a lot of MPs are worried. When I was talking to them earlier in the week, a lot of MPs like support the idea, support the idea of having a conversation mm. yes. and support a sister dying, but are very concerned about Surely this bill. Surely they can improve and that it's those safeguards. Drafted. Of course. And Even, that's what I said to but David Seymour doesn't accept that, though. I've asked him. Mm. I said to him, do you, you know, a lot of MPs say this is poorly drafted and they don't, they don't like the bill. And he said, well, no one's come to me and said this is the issue. So two well, doctors. He's got two like. doctors in there, hasn't he? Two doctors. That's right. Yeah. You have to have two doctors yeah. verify. Yeah. But it, it goes even further than the the Greens. I think the Greens policy is the most liberal on euthanasia. Yeah. And it goes even further that, that some of them are uncomfortable uh, yeah, with the Yeah, uh, Julian Gender so. said she was worried about it. I think it'll be pulled back a, a lot once it goes through. Yeah, a lot more safeguards yeah, in there. Yeah, once they get some of that. And look at the international legislation and get... The important thing is, is the discussion is being you had. Worried? I'm quite worried, given the incident that we had on the forecourt of Parliament this week yeah. with the... the you know, very fiery exchange between the two gentlemen. Yeah. I'm yeah. worried about, about how much debate. heat is in this debate and whether yeah. we can actually have a civilised conversation. Well, but we saw it with a lot of other members' bills. If you think in the past of prostitution law reform, that got pretty nasty. Uh, so did marriage equality. You know, these yeah. issues, you know, are always... In the age really, of social media, though? Yeah, and, and MPs, you know, are going to find this hard. They're already getting... getting so it will be a defined, the, the, the defining conscience issue of this too. Oh, really, absolutely. Won't it? You'd think yeah, so, you'd yeah. Because yeah. yeah. there'll be the medicinal cannabis stuff, but that, that's not going to all legalize, drug legalize, further drug legalisation yeah. as yeah. well, but I don't think that's going to be anywhere near as controversial as this. So if they tie, I mean, they are really going to kick it for touch, though, if they tie it, the referendum to the next election, aren't they? Yeah, well, that's going to be interesting because um, we have to remember that David Seymour has said he'll vote with New Zealand first on that. Jacinda Ardern was very non-committal when I asked her mm. about it the other mm. day. MPs will have a conscience vote because it's going to come in as a supplementary order paper at committee stage. Yep. It might not pass. Just because New Zealand first wants it, maybe mm. they'll do a deal with Labour, of course, around it. But Labour are going to want to fight They're not going to want to referendum at the election. election. Yeah. And it's going to be at the election, so it's no, three years away. No one wants might to might drive out people who might not have previously voted. Mm. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. And um, I mean, I think we at the, we could end up with a, the next election having referendum on three topics at this oh. rate. You well, know, as, if, as if an election if, isn't if hard Zealand, enough. If New Zealand first has its way. Yeah. Well, there's an argument to say that certainly cost-wise it makes sense. I mean, rather than have it in the middle of the year, middle of the term. Well, yeah, I mean, the cost of it's huge. I, mean, many, I don't think anyone wants I mean, I, it is a problem. Though. I mean, if you look at, the, say, California... But isn't it worth spending the money? I mean, it's not a flag referendum. It's, no. it's, a, it's a life or death issue. Isn't it worth spending a few million? Probably. It's it separated out because you look at California, you know, and, they, and on their ballot in an election, there's usually about 10, Ten issues, yeah. referendums, including cannabis was what got legalised, didn't it? The, la the last um, I think the the last that's last that's presidential that's election. That's a state-level election, though. This is, a, yeah. this is a national general election. Mm. The stakes are a lot higher, I think. I guess the other thing would be if... if we get to a point where New Zealand First, as we know they like referendums, um, they get to a point that they've got two or three issues that we end up having a referendum day <laughs> halfway through the term. Where everyone goes That's and an interesting box, idea. You know, and, and they do it that way, which which would get turnout probably because there'll be issues that people care about. There'll be one issue, like euthanasia, yeah. that people really care about, and there's a couple there that maybe they're not so fast, but they'll vote mm. because they're there and they're voting. Yeah. So they may end up wanting to do it that way. You know, There's so many things in New Zealand First. Sheesh, it'll be a direct democracy before you know. The other thing is whether they make it binding, whether it has to be 70, you know, 75. Well, what, that's what, what no one said, right? This is what we don't know yeah. is how it would even Problem look. So then we've got mm. a long way to go. Nine months of, of a select committee, then, you know, how long can that? They take forever sometimes to bring those report back. So I'd think another six months for it to report back. And the back. select committees are going to be extremely busy over yeah, the next year. Yeah, and so I think it'll be at least a year before we see it back before the House, mm. if not longer. So by that point, 
you then got second reading and committee stage, by the time you get to a point where it passes, mm. it's, it's actually going to be very close to the election yeah. anyway. All right, I think that's us for the week. Last show next week, Christmas show. I expect to see Christmas Corrin's jumpers. going to be singing, carols. dressed up as Santa. Rudolph. And he's going to be an elf. Are we elves? <laughs> what are you? Rudolph. <laughs> Christmas yeah, no. fairy. I'm we'll do the, the Christmas truth. show. Uh, we'll do Angel, some best. Of we'll do some best of, some worst of. We'll do some brickbats, some raspberries, whatever you call. What do you call them? I don't know. Top tens. Great. And Corin. I'm obsessed with lists at the moment. As soon as, as soon as he is, as soon as Corin does that, he'll be gone out. Yes. We'll see him again in about six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> although the rumor is not rumor, probably confirmed fact by now, but we're coming back a little bit earlier in January, aren't we? A week. So the last week of January. So the house is going to come back for one week to get a hold of the 100 day stuff passed mm-hmm. and then we'll go and recess again for Waitangi week because of Lord. course there's no January point in the house sitting. sitting. Yeah. yeah, so it's the last week of January uh, and they're going to be busy as well. There's a whole lot of stuff already from, from about Waitangi. 15th of January the government's No rest for this government. Yeah. I know, as if you thought we hadn't had a hard enough year. That's all right, Andrea and I will hold the fort while Corrin's off I need to, but keep talking because I need to find the, um, the sign off. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they, so they, what they want to do with that last week, uh, that last week in January, is have actually get some stuff. And I need my glasses on to read it. Right. <laughs> I right. really wish someone would cut these with bits us out. Again this week for Inside Parliament, Andrew our weekly catch up about the political stories we've been covering on One News. It is generally available every Friday morning on the One News Facebook page, SoundCloud, and do check us out on iTunes. Uh, see you next week for our final show. Thanks. See ya. Cheers.